So here we are. We are in message number seven, working our way through this series. We've entitled Where to Turn Psalms That Light the Way. So you can see the title this morning. Let's read it together. What's the title? Where to Turn When Life Hurts. Now the other day, I came across a question, okay? And this question was about pets. And here's the question. In your opinion, is the ideal pet a cat? Number two, a dog. Number three, a dog that eats cats. <laughs> now, historically, I'm a bit more of a dog lover than a cat lover. But there was a time that uh, my heart really went out for this particular cat. So I heard this animal fight erupt outside of our house and across the street. I went outside, and sure enough, there was a, a brawl, literally, that was in process. And across the steep is this very steep hill. It's filled with brush. It's kind of hard to see what was going on. But it was loud, and then all of a sudden, it went absolutely silent. And, and I saw this coyote come out of the brush with a limp cat in its mouth, okay, in its jaws. But when the coyote saw me, the coyote dropped the cat, and he just kind of scampered away. And I thought, man, that cat, that cat is dead. So I started to slowly walk up the hill toward the cat, and right as I got close to the cat, that cat turned to me, and he looked at me with this one bloody red eye, hissing at me, saying, don't even come further, buddy. I've had a bad day, you know? And uh, I literally, whoa, I ran down the hill and just watched this cat, you know, slowly get up and limp away. And uh, sometimes that's how life can treat us. It really can. It can thrash us. It can maul us. And we limp away. We're feeling bruised, beat up, uh, torn up. Your first introductory thought to fill in the blank is life at times can what? It can hurt. It just can. And I wonder what some of the hurt is that you're carrying this morning. If you're here, you're watching on video. Hurt or pain, it can come in many forms, right? There's physical hurts. And maybe, you know, there's something you're battling, a physical ailment you never dreamed that ever you'd face this, but you are. Or maybe it's emotional. Maybe you have recently lost someone, and, and you're just there's this emotional pain. Or spiritual. Uh, maybe a son or a daughter or a grandson or a granddaughter is just far from the Lord, and it's just breaking your heart spiritually, or maybe relationally. A friendship a marriage, there, it, it's gone in a way you'd never imagined, and you're just leave, you're living with this relational pain. You know, hurt and pain, it can also be uh, self-inflicted. I mean, you could get in a car accident, and it could be your fault for getting in that accident, and you're dealing with that. Uh, hurt or pain, it can also be brought on by someone other than ourselves. As a family, we had... Uh, friends, they had twin girls. And the nurse in the hospital placed the wrong eye solution in both of their eyes at birth. 
and blinded both of those beautiful twin girls. Can you imagine that pain in the moment, but also for the rest of your life as parents having to deal with that? Pain. So where do we turn when life, you know, hits us with pain, agony, uh, which we know is all so common? Well, Psalm 34 is a great psalm to turn to. And I want to encourage you, if you're not there, please turn your Bibles there now. And I want you to notice the, the superscription. This is part of the original Hebrew text. This is not something man adds. Like in the New Testament, you get a lot of headings that are man's adding. But this is literally in the original. All of the, super, we call them superscriptions. And here we've got in Psalm 34, it says, This psalm of David when he pretended to be insane before Abimelech, who drove him away, and he left. You know, what is going on here, you know, in this psalm? And we need to kind of unpack this before we can uh, really begin to teach it. But let me just say this. When David penned Psalm 34, he did so in the midst of deep, agonizing pain and hurts. And you say, well, what was that like? Well, the background to Psalm 34 is really 1 Samuel 21. But to understand 1 Samuel 21, I have to paint a broader picture about David's life that leads up to 1 Samuel 21, and then you'll connect that with Psalm 34. So in 1 Samuel 16, David is anointed the king of Israel by Samuel. And yet, as he's anointed king, Saul is still the reigning king. In 1 Samuel 17, David has a brawl with a giant named Goliath. David whoops on this, you know, giant and kills Goliath. In 1 Samuel 18, David and Jonathan, Jonathan Saul's son, swear friendship. I mean, Jonathan was just drawn to David, and they, they begin this beautiful friendship, this relationship. But at the same time, Saul's jealousy for David because of his popularity, just continues to grow. And in 1 Samuel 19 and 20, Saul is relentlessly seeking to kill David, first with his spear and then with his soldiers. David is fleeing for his life. There's physical, emotional, spiritual, relational pain. It becomes so intense that David and Jonathan break friendship, and Jonathan initiated this because he wanted to see David not killed by his father. Saul. And when we come to 1 Samuel 21, David is a full-fledged fugitive with a bounty on his head. He's alone, he's tired, he's hurting, he's desperate, and he decides to flee to Gath, one of the Philistine cities. And this was Israel's chief enemy at the time. And David figured he'd be safe in Gath because there's no way Saul would, would, would attack him or come after him or pursue him in the enemy territory. Ah, rest at last. But David is so emotionally drained <clears throat> when he walks down the streets of Gath into the, this is, happens to also be the hometown of Goliath, whom he killed. And David is walking down the streets of Gath literally with the sword of Goliath. And one day when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask David, what were you thinking when you did that? And now he faces another problem. Why would the king of Gath allow David to live? David killed 
the hometown hero, literally. And David, he could be seen as a spy at the very minimum or a threat. I mean, David was a mighty warrior, had that kind of reputation. And in 1 Samuel 21, verse 12, it says something very uncharacteristic of David. It says, David was very much afraid of Achish, king of Gath. That's the only time that David was afraid. So David, he comes up with a plan, and those of you who know your Bible, he pretended to be insane, and he acted like a madman. He, he started making marks on the doors of the gate. He's letting saliva run, run down his beard, you know, like some of your husbands. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> but, and he's, he's doing this as a ruse, as, as a somewhat, you know, just so that he won't be killed. Achish, the king, said to his servants, 1 Samuel 21, verse 14, he says, look at this man. He is insane. Why bring him to me? Am I so short of madman that you have to bring this fellow in here to carry on like this in front of me? So David is saved, at least in the short run, from being killed by the king of Gath. But David realizes he better not push his luck. And in 1 Samuel 22, verse 1, it says that David left Gath and he escaped to a cave, to the cave of Adullam. Here's a picture of the cave of Adullam. I was not able to take you there the last time he went to Israel, but one day I will. This is a picture. David is inside the cave. There's the entrance. When his brothers and family heard that David was in this cave, they made their way down to him. We don't know how long David was in this cave alone, but it was in this cave, having just been delivered from death, but still hurting, still alone. Can you imagine what he's going through? That most scholars believe, I believe, that he penned Psalm 34. Now you think of all that and the pain and the hurt that he's in, and then he's going to pen the most masterful psalm that we're going to study this morning. It's a, it's a psalm of wisdom. And it gives us insight how to work through your pain with God. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful psalm. And we're going to see four wise principles to follow when life hurts. I want to just ask you this as we begin. What do you do when life hurts? Is it working what you're doing? I, just, I'm, I want you to be honest with yourself. There is not a person here that is not dealing with pain of some type. Now, pain goes up and down. There's seasons that it's more intense. But I'm just asking you, when life comes at you, it hits you sideways, okay? And it will. What is your strategy? Do you have a plan? Do you have guidelines that you follow? And are those guidelines working in your life right now to watch this help you with your pain and bring you out of it? Okay, so when I minister as a pastor to people, I go to Psalm 34 and I help them work through this. And this is what we want to do this morning. So let me give you four principles that I'm not really giving, David is giving, that emerge from this psalm when life hurts. Number one, when life hurts, it's wise to praise the Lord. What? <laughs> I mean, it kind of hits us like that. But let me walk you through this. One of the biggest temptations that you will face when you are hurting, I don't care if it's marital, physical, emotion, it does not matter the pain. 
But one of the, the, the first reactions in your humanness is to not praise the Lord, is to actually uh, deny that. Let me ask you a question. Is your pain keeping you right now from praising the Lord? If so, that will lead to more pain. I need to share that with you. The Bible says it's good to praise the Lord. It's health-giving to praise the Lord. The worst pain is allowing your pain to drive you into a state of praiselessness. Wow, that is a downward cycle that will lead to hopelessness. The first thing we should do when we are hurting is to praise the Lord. Why? Because that's the first thing David does, and it's the wise thing to do. It's not natural. I'm not telling you something that's natural. This is a wise thing to do, and wisdom is not natural. It's supernatural. This is God's way to deal with pain. Look at verse 1. David begins this psalm. Imagine penning this in that cave. I will extol the Lord at all times. Oh, my. His praise will always be on my lips, David says. David's saying, Lord, I'm still in this cave, but I'm choosing to praise your name regardless. Lord, I'm grateful I'm alive in this cave. I have covering from the elements in this cave. See, David is looking at the blessings of actually being in this cave. David still had many problems, but he didn't let those problems prevent him from praising the Lord. Are you? We all have pain. You have pain, I have pain. But what about the hundreds of reasons why God is still worthy of our praise? Praise is a choice, and it's based on who God is, regardless of our circumstances. Then it's as if David has us in mind as he's writing the psalm, and I find that to be incredible. In the midst of his pain and our pain, he invites all of us into the praise of God. Look at verse 2. David says, I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. And then he says this, verse 3, glorify the Lord with me. Are you in pain like I am? Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. And that's, by the way, why we need community, why we need a place like this to hear God's word and say, yes, we should rejoice and, and praise God regardless. And notice what, you know, when we choose to praise the Lord, do you see what it leads to? Verse 2, I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and what? Rejoice. You see, Praise leads to joy. Praiselessness leads to misery. It leads to more pain. The way out of pain, the first step out of pain is to praise, which ultimately will lead to a deep-seated joy in your life. You look at Acts 16, and Paul and Silas have been beaten. They're thrown into jail. They're in the dungeon, and what are they doing there? They're singing what? Praises to the Lord, and God is giving them joy. It's amazing. It's not natural. It's supernatural. But when in faith you choose with your volition to praise the Lord, even in the midst of your pain, God takes that pain and somehow he mixes it with joy. And guess what? There are dozens of people right here who are testimonies of that. And that's why for each of the points I'm going to give you on this message, you're going to talk about it. So I want someone at your table because I know there are some people at your table who have learned this principle. Here's the discussion question. Can you share about a time when choosing to praise the Lord 
helped you with your pain. Talk about that. Go for it. All right, we're looking at four principles to follow when life hurts. When life hurts, it's wise to praise the Lord. Second, when life hurts, it's wise to seek the Lord. Now, another temptation. When we're in pain, when we're hurting, regardless of what that pain is caused by, we are tempted in those moments to seek, watch this, something else or someone else other than the Lord or in front of the Lord. Some things are fine to seek, but never are we called to seek anything before the Lord. And some of us find ourselves compounding our pain because we're not going to God first. We go to family or friends, if they're available, or human help, doctors, a counselor, or we go the total opposite, we isolate ourselves in self-pity, or we will actually sometimes turn, if we're not turning to God, we'll begin to turn to drugs, alcohol, the internet, pornography, you name it, anything to help us deal with our pain. So sometimes in the midst of our pain, we can find ourselves not seeking God. And that is never wise. Wow. One of the wisest things we can do when we're hurting is to seek God first. And, and David was so good at this. And by the way, the first step to seeking the Lord, this is going to sound so elementary, but it's to make the decision, I'm going to seek the Lord. Look if you would at verse 4. I sought the Lord. That's what David said. This is what I did. After I praised him, I sought him. I sought the Lord. Let me ask you a question. Are you in pain? Are you hurting? Can you say that with David? I am seeking the Lord first in my life. That's how you deal with pain. Now, listen to the benefits that come our way when we make this decision to seek the Lord because they're awesome. I sought the Lord and God turned his back on me. No. And he, God, answered me. When you seek the Lord, God begins answering your prayers. When you're putting him first. If you're not putting him first, God might say, you know, maybe this pain needs to kind of linger until you learn to seek me first. Because you're putting other gods in front of me. I, God's a jealous God. He wants you completely dedicated to him. Mm. I sought the Lord and he answered me. And then he delivered me from all my fears, the fears we have associated with this pain. God says, I'll, I'll, I'm able to deliver you. I'm God. I can do anything. I'm all powerful. Look, verse 5. Again, a benefit to those who seek the Lord. Those who look to him, that's seeking him, are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. That, that word radiant, it's the Hebrew word nahar, and it literally means to shine. God can make you shine when you begin to seek him. It's not natural, it's supernatural, beloved. Look, if you would, at verse 6. This poor man called. That's how we feel at times when we're hurting. We feel like we have nothing. And the Lord heard him. Isn't that great? God hears you, and you know it, and saved him out of all of his troubles. Wow, he hears us, delivers us. Look at verse 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. This comes from seeking him. 
And you begin to discover God's goodness in the midst of your pain. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. And that blessed means ultimately happy, but it's not a happiness based on circumstances. It's much deeper. It's like a joy that God gives. And then I love verse 10. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Wow. Matthew 6.33 is the summary, you know, New Testament verse of everything David is teaching there, where we have Jesus saying, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things, that's help for your hurt, all these things will be given to you as well. When you seek Jesus, when you seek him first, and again, there are so many stories in this room. So I want to give you time at your table. Can you share about a time when choosing to seek the Lord first helped you with your pain? Someone testify at a table. Go for it. Okay, we're looking at four principles to follow when life hurts. Number one, it's wise to praise the Lord. It's wise second to seek the Lord. And here's the third. When life hurts... It's wise to fear the Lord. And you're like, what do you mean by that, Mark? Well, one of the wisest things we can do when we are hurting is, as we said here, to fear the Lord. That means show reverence to the Lord, to honor the Lord, to revere the Lord. And David was so good at fearing, watch this, the authority of God. David, at times, he questioned God, but he never showed, watch this, contempt for God. The temptation when we are hurting, and we see this throughout society, is to show contempt for God. It's to turn to evil. We see this everywhere in society. Thousands of people today do this, and it is never wise to do. I saw a bumper sticker the other day, and it said this, Jesus hates me. And, I, and I, as I saw that, you know, my heart went out to this guy because rather than fearing the Lord, he has public contempt for Jesus. And he's turned to slandering Jesus. That's never wise. Now, if I was able to talk to him, I know there would be deep pain in his life. There would be things he's like, I don't understand. How could a good God, and you've heard that repeated a thousand times over in different scenarios. There are some things in this life, beloved, we will never understand. But the answer to our pain and not understanding is never to slander the name of Almighty God. That is insanity to do that. And yet people do it all the time because there's an enemy tempting people to do that. God wants, I mean, the enemy wants you to slander the name of Jesus. This is why his name is taken in vain. Constantly do we hear it on TV, in the movies, by Hollywood celebrities, and it's all showing contempt for God, and it reveals the great pain that these people are in. But listen to the wisdom of verses 13 to 16. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies about God. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Don't turn to evil against God. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil to blot their name out from the earth. Okay, what about us as Christians? 
I want to talk about your heart. Many times we're going to hurt, and Satan will whisper to your ear, just as he does a Hollywood mogul. And he's going to listen, he's going to whisper in your ear, he's going to say, how could a loving God allow this to happen to you? God doesn't care about you. Curse God. Turn away from God. An affair would do you wonders. Pornography is what you need. You deserve it. Wash your pain away with alcoholism, alcoholism or drugs. All these messages being whispered, they're all given to you to get you to not fear the Lord, to not live in reverence to Him. He's going to do, Satan will do anything and everything he can to get us live without the fear of God in our life and turn to evil. That's his strategy. Now watch this. David could have easily said, God, hang it on your beak. I've had enough. I've been anointed the king. And what's going on? I'm done with your deadlines and, and, and not promoting me, whatever, to my rightful position. I'm supposed to be the king of Israel. Pagan Philistia was just down the road from his cave of Agilim. Easily. David was a good-looking man. He could have easily walked down and just blended in with that society. All the women, all the wine. But David made the choice to fear the Lord in the midst of his pain, at the lowest moment of his life. And you could argue this was definitely one of the lowest. And yet he chose to fear the Lord. The wise thing to do when we're hurting is always to fear the Lord. And listen to the, the benefits that come our way when we choose to fear the Lord. One is noted in verse 7. I mean, when you're in a deep moment of pain, crisis, and you choose to honor God, revere God, don't think God doesn't see that. Don't think God won't reward that because the Bible says he will in several ways. Verse 7, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. The angel of the Lord in the Old Testament was Jesus Christ, the pre-incarnate Christ. Before he became, uh, Jesus took on bodily form in Bethlehem. Jesus would take on form and in the Old Testament as the angel of the Lord. And he encamps around those who fear him. And we see this many times in the Old Testament. Hmm. Angelic deliverances is what it's talking about there. You know, years ago when I was a youth pastor at our church, which I was for 13 years, uh, we took a, a snow ski trip way up to the mountains. I took 100 kids snow skiing, two buses, 50 kids in each bus. And on our way back, we stop in Auburn, and we go, and I think it was Burger King, and then after Burger King, we all load the buses. Bus number one fires right up. Bus number two, dead. I mean, it is not starting. And I'm like... It's like 7 o'clock at night. I've got 50 kids. I can't put them all on one bus. They can't fit there. We're in the middle of nowhere. And I'm like, oh, Lord. And John Tunger was the driver of the one bus that wasn't, and he's a great mechanic, and he can't figure out how to start this bus. And so I, I go outside, and I just grab a bunch of students, and I, just, I said, let's pray. we got to pray that God will just heal this bus. We need a miracle. So I'm like, what am I going to do? 
you know, we're three plus hours from Castro Valley, school tomorrow. I'm like, oh. and so we pray like crazy. We're just praying, Lord, we're honoring, we're revering God in prayer in the midst of our pain. So as we're praying, this big old truck drives up. Headlights are right on our little prayer circle. And I just remember I was blinded by the headlights. And all of a sudden I saw out of the door, four-wheel drive boots come out. Boom, land on the ground. And this dude walks right to me and he goes, how you doing? (laughs) And I said, well, we're praying. Uh, Our bus won't start. And he goes, you're in luck. I'm a bus mechanic. So, he walks on the bus. John Tunger's there. Many people can attest to this. And right as I'm seeing this guy, I am thinking, this dude is an angel. This is an angelic cowboy who's a mechanic. (laughs) And I am thinking this, but I can't get the words out. This guy walks on the bus, and in 10 seconds, that bus had started. John Tunger was blown away. He still doesn't, he didn't touch the engine. It John doesn't even know what he did, and that bus started. It fired right up, and this guy, and my jaw is down here. I want to say, you are an angel, aren't you? I know you are, but the Lord would not allow it to come out of my mouth. The dude gets back in his truck and backs away, and I go, and I get on the bus. I go, that was an angel. I told, I go, did you see? Ever all the kids were going like, this is crazy, and it's like it was unreal. God gives us sometimes, you know, the Bible says this, Hebrews 1.14, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Don't think that angels aren't sent and deployed today. They are deployed everywhere. Constantly, God is using them. One day I need to do a series on angels. I want to do that, but that'll happen later. I'm just saying, when you choose to fear the Lord, you bring in the supernatural angelic forces of God to minister to situations. You take life in your own hands, start disrespecting God. Wow. Another uh, blessing that comes from honoring God, you look at verse 7. Taste and see the Lord is good. Blessed or excuse me, yeah, verse 7. Look at verse 9. Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. Lack nothing. The promise is given, this promise is given to those who fear God. I'll provide for you is what God's saying. Then you look at verse 11. Come, my children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. You know, the fear of the Lord is something you learn. Because finally, it's long enough, you'd be like, you know, to live without the fear of God, slandering God, and, you know, choosing sin, you know, that just leads to more pain. And finally, you learn, I'm going to honor God. I'm going to revere God with my life, with my words, and the blessings of God come. And this is what David was doing in his life. I mean, he is in a cave, and he's revering, he's praising God, he's seeking God, he's showing the fear of God, the honor of God, the reverencing of God. Wow. My friend Jim Burns lived with the fear of God. Anyone, as soon as I mention that name, here is a man that battled cancer for years upon years upon years and never once Did I ever hear Jim complain? Ever. This guy had joy in his heart. He sought God. He praised the Lord. He ministered to people. The joy of the Lord was this man's strength. I missed Jim so much. 
I love Jim Burns. Feared the Lord in the midst of all of his pain. Wow. And there are many stories in this room right now. Let's talk about those. Can you share about a time when fearing the Lord helped you with your pain? Someone share? Go for it. Four principles to follow when life hurts. When life hurts, it's wise to praise, seek, fear, and finally, it's wise to call upon the Lord. So the temptation when we're hurting is to do this, is to not call upon God, to not pick up our cell phone, so to speak, so to speak and talk to God. The temptation is, watch this, to keep our need, our pain to ourselves and keep it from God as if God doesn't know. But emotionally, we're not connecting with God and sharing with God, calling upon God with respect to our pain. Sometimes we think, well, God doesn't care. Sometimes we think, I deserve this. Why would God listen to me if I were to call upon him? God always cares. God always wants to listen to you. It's never wise to keep our need from God. It's always the wise thing when we're hurting to call upon the Lord. And David was so good at this. When was the last time you called upon the Lord? I mean, really called upon the Lord. You know, I, I believe, and I could tell you story upon story upon story in my life. When you come to the bottom, and you come like a child before God, and you just open your heart, and you call upon God, See, God will never test you beyond your breaking point. But some of us are so full of pride and there's so much anger, whatever is in there, you're just not coming to God as a child in desperation, in sincerity, and just saying, Abba, and you cry out to Him. Let me tell you, God is going to come to your rescue. He is that kind of God. Um, I, there are so many stories. When I, was, uh, when I just became a Christian at 20 years of age, um, <laughs> I, I've done a lot of crazy things in my life. I mean, you guys know that. But uh, there was this torrential downpour, okay? And I mean, and I was living on Crow Canyon Road at the moment, and there's a creek there. And I mean, it rained like crazy to where that creek turned to where, into a river. And, you know, I grabbed a wetsuit. I had a buddy named Tim. He grabbed a wetsuit. We filled up with the air compressor these huge truck inner tubes, and we were floating down literally the creek of Crow Canyon Road going, this is awesome, but it's a little boring. Let's go to Cole Canyon Lake and, and float down the spillway, okay? Like it's a massive water slide. So I had my mom bring us, by the way, one of our inner tubes that popped by then. So we only had one inner tube. And we make it to Cole Canyon Lake. And there are millions, I'm not joking, gallons falling over, you know, the crest of this massive, you know, uh, spillway. And I looked at Tim and I go, this is going to be awesome. But I said, you know what, we better go to the bottom of the spillway first to make sure it, because you couldn't see, it was so tall, concrete on each side. Oh, do I have a, do I have a picture of it? Yeah, here it is. So, uh, you know, we couldn't see this. We're way up above and this is where it emptied. And I wanted to make sure that there was no like concrete pillar that we're going to be, you know, impaled on as we came down. So we walked down the side over here. And then we, you know, it's, you got a picture. This is filled with water all the way up here. It's just rushing over. And we go down and we start swimming up to make sure to look that we're not going to, you know, come down and kill ourselves. <laughs> so we're swimming toward this. And, uh, you know, right down here is where just it's, it's churning. There's so much power in water, as you know. 
And as we come around the corner, I'm like, yeah, it looks pretty good. And we tried to turn around. It, got, it sucked us. It was sucking us into the vortex of where all this water is just churning. And literally, it brought us right into the center of it, and it just stripped us like, like we felt, I felt like I was a doll in a washing machine. We stripped us from the inner tube, and I remember stuck in a perpetual motion of just churning, and I literally was going, I'm going to die. I'm dead. And I just remember in the weakness of that moment saying, Jesus, save me. I just remember that prayer. The next thing I remember is I'm 30 yards down that river. I'm standing in waist-high water, and I'm just like, it was, an, it was just a supernatural deliverance. As scary as that moment was, what was more scary is how I was delivered. And then I'm like, where is Tim? And I'm like, oh, my, I couldn't see Tim, and I was ready to go back there and find Tim. I remember going, I'm going to die going back, but I'm going. And Tim pops up right next to me. I mean, we are in, just right when I thought that. And we both look at each other. We were white as ghosts. Not because we almost died, but how we were delivered was a God thing. And we walked back up the hill. Our, our, by the way, our inner tube was still stuck. To this day, it's still stuck. <laughs> it was stuck. We left our inner tube. And my mom's like, what's going on? I'm like, we got in the back of the truck. She brought us back. And I'm like... Can you believe? You know, when you call upon the Lord in your pain, look what the Bible says here. Look at the benefits. Look at verse 17. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them and delivers them from all their troubles. Wow. Look at verse 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. You know, sometimes he doesn't save you in the moment but he's close to you in your brokenness when you cry out to him. And that closeness is sometimes sweeter than the deliverance. And he saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, and that's true, but the Lord delivers him from them all. Ultimately, you will be delivered from all your troubles when you go to heaven. And sometimes God delivers you right now, here and now. You say, how, Mark, does that happen when I'm in pain still? Well, we always need to remember, God causes all things, all things to work together for good, to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. In other words, God has a bigger picture of always what he is doing in your life, and he's going to cause all of your pain, everything, to work for your good in his glory. You may not understand it in the moment. It may be a mystery to you in the moment. But that's why in the moment when you don't understand, you're called to do these things, to praise him, to seek him, to fear him, and to call upon him. You see, life at times can be like this. We see life on this side. You're like, well, that doesn't look very pretty, Mark. But then you flip it around. And, you know, God's making you a beautiful peacock. I don't know. You get the image. There's time. We see life. The Bible says now we see in a mirror dimly, then face to face. Now we know in part. Then we shall know fully, just as we are fully known. Right now, God's at work. He's molding and shaping. He's in control. But we don't see the beautiful thing he's doing. We just don't. But by faith, we see it. 
But we know that God is at work doing something absolutely beautiful on the other side in our lives. So don't turn bitter. Don't go swearing, taking the name of Jesus in vain. This life has a lot of mysteries. Have you ever read about water? Scientists don't even know what water is. There are books written about water. Water is a mystery. The greatest of all scientists don't know why water is what it is and how it works. We can't even figure out water. The the most intelligent people on our planet do not understand water. And here we're trying to understand the mysteries of God with pain. Don't slander him, beloved. If you're watching this on video, don't take the name of Jesus in vain. Don't turn to sin. Turn to humility. Count your blessings. Praise the Lord. Seek the Lord. Fear the Lord. Call upon the Lord. I love this. Verse 20, he protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. God, he protects us physically even. Evil, verse 21, will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord will rescue his servants. No one will take refuge in him will be condemned. That's saying God rescues us from those who would seek to do us harm. He's sovereign even over that. I love Jeremiah 33.3. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things, things that you do not know. Do not let your pain keep you from calling out to God who loves you so much. And guess what? There are a lot of stories here of when God brought you to the moment where like with me, I called out, God came through. I'd like you to talk about that at your tables. Can you share about a time when choosing to call upon the Lord helped you with your pain? Take a moment, talk about it. All right, let me wrap up with just a simple question, kind of bring us back to everything. And just this, you know, are you hurting this morning? Is there pain in your life? Do you feel like a coyote has broadsided you, mauled you, you know, left you bruised and bleeding? Are you limping, you know? I think that happens in all of our lives. It's happened in my life. It's happened in your life. and Maybe it's right now your life. Psalm 34 is a great place to turn when life hurts. You know, in a Peanuts cartoon, Lucy and Linus, they look out the window at this steady downpour. It's just pouring down rain. Boy, says Lucy, look at it rain. What if it floods the entire world? Linus confidently replies, it will never do that. In the ninth chapter of Genesis, God promised Noah that it would never happen again, and the sign of that promise is the rainbow. You've taken a great load off my mind, says Lucy with a smile. Sound theology, Linus says, has a way of doing that. Sound theology. These four truths from God's Word have a great way of ministering to the hearts when you're hurting. When you're looking out your window and you see nothing but a downpour, a steady downpour, sound theology has a way of putting a smile, a perspective, on your life. The Lord is saying to you this morning and to me, when life hurts, it's wise to praise the Lord. Are you doing that? You could begin doing that. It's wise to seek the Lord. Are you doing that? 
you could begin doing that. It's wise to fear the Lord. Are you doing that? You could begin doing that. It's wise to call upon the Lord. You can do that. And you should do that. Soak it and apply these truths, sound theology. You'll be amazed at how it will help you with your hurt. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, life does hurt at times. You told us in this world there'll be great tribulation. But you're over it all. And we just thank you that there is help. And Lord, these principles are powerful. Would you just take a moment in your life and just talk to a loving God that's brought you here, has brought this to you? I mean, God actually brought David through that so he could pen this to you. And now here we are, thousands of years later, you're hearing this sound theology that God revealed to David in that moment. God ties it all together. But would you just take a moment in your heart and talk to God about what he's talking to you about from this this morning? Lord, we begin asking that you would teach us, that you would speak to us. We believe you have, and how wonderful that we could speak back to you, that you hear us, and you answer prayer, and you are at work in our lives. And just thank you for our morning. It's good. Good to be with you, Lord, and with one another. All God's people said.